Welcome to the 167 Podcast, a podcast to inspire, challenge, and encourage you. Our goal is to help you live into the 167 hours of your week away from church. And now your host, Shannon Patterson. Well, hey, Porch community, and welcome to episode 87 of the 167 podcast. I'm Shannon Patterson, the lead pastor of the Porch Community Church, here with my good friend, our media pastor, Josh Harrell. Hey, Josh. Hey, Shannon. How's it going? It's going. Yeah. It's going. Yeah. yeah. Everybody's back from vacation. We're, We're back. My lip is blistered. Oof. I was at the beach. I didn't wear appropriate sunscreen. I'm wearing an arm brace. You have on a wrist brace. <laughs> I did wear one of those. We went to the beach last week. And so after the first day of just being like, you know, not doing good uh, skin care, I just wore a giant hat the rest of the week. So, mm. yeah. So, but yeah. My, nor- uh, my normal hat and some protection is the porch cap backwards <laughs> that's not a lot of good face covering no, right there. <laughs> I, 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 i'm getting to the point where i need a new one because care doesn't really want me to wear the same like the one i have out in public much is it, it, it it's yeah, just it's aged it's aged yeah it's, well, sure. it's aged well i think we, we've got it we got a few though yeah. you gotta break one in so um but yeah so we were at the beach we got back saturday afternoon after a, a couple of uh, Drew flipped his Jeep. Yeah. <laughs> and he's okay. His dad was with him. He's okay. I say flipped. He rolled it. That's that's the better. Like a, so, ha- like a half roll. Yeah. Not even and a they were roll. pulling a trailer. And uh, yeah. It was, that probably kept it from rolling the whole way. Yeah. And actually, well, yes. Yes. So they flipped that. And then, you know, everyone converged and we moved people's stuff into different cars because there was a kind of a caravan of us. And well, actually, we were all kind of going in different directions at the point that oh, really? they had a the the wreck and so we all had to turn around and um and then i was a little shaken up i was kind of surprised i mean i just but then so so someone else offered to drive my car and i got in another car to ride and uh and then about an hour uh, and a half later i got a text said um that they had just hit a deer with my car or a deer had hit them and so (laughs) our our insurance people were real happy yeah. Um, to hear from yeah, Drew cause, yesterday because Kara post or Kara saw the pictures that she posted online and it included your car, but we'd already talked about uh huh. So you just wreck. thought, oh, no, I was like, well, she didn't mention her car in the accident. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So it was it was it was a great time at the beach. <laughs> the ride home was a little rough, a little um, rocky, little rocky, and then um, and then turned right around the next day and uh, we got to celebrate um. My ordination. Mm. So, um, yeah. So, how was your your week? We'll we'll talk more about that in a moment. So, yeah. how was your uh, week at the at the beach? It was good. Yeah. Um, you know, we went to St. Augustine. This was like our third time vacationing there. I am a golf snob. I I'm I do I'm. It was it was really the water was really good. Yeah. Yeah. It's so hit and miss in the Atlantic. So I don't know. I, just, I like the Gulf. I don't side. know why we go to the Atlantic side more often. It's probably closer. Yeah. Maybe. Uh, like. Always growing up, that I went to the Atlantic. Uh huh. Yeah. And I think it just carries when over. When you think beach, that's what you think. Yeah. 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 So, what is your like go to activity on the beach? At, or on at, the beach? Or at the beach, beach towns, whatever. Okay. Like, what, is, what is like. When we actually go to the water, I go in the water. I'm in the water. Uh, you know, usually there's like a clump of us that hang out about, you know, chest deep and we watch the kids ride the waves and they come swim out to us and we kind of watch it. Um, 
people like my father-in-law, they just sit on the beach. Like they just sit there and read books and they just in the sun, like read. So that, that's what I do at the water. Um, but when we go, like we play games, love to play card games and different games. The last couple of years, we have a big trivia night that I put together over. Uh, I do some pre-work and we separate into teams because there's usually about 20 of us. And mm-hmm. so it's turned into this like trivia competition. Yeah, I've seen pictures. Yeah. That, that, that seems... we, this year we had themes and um, costumes. And so it was it was a good time. It was 80s and 90s themed trivia, but then the teams got to do their own costumes. So Yeah, um, I saw a gladiator helmet, like a yeah, pharaoh hat. Yeah, some Americana. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, there's a lot of good stuff. So it's just a lot of, you know, chill um play games mm-hmm. ride around the golf cart around the the area and eat ice cream you know mm, that's fun very very relaxed yeah very relaxed so yeah how would you guys uh so what we do since we have really little kids so uh-huh. we'll beach them basically until they they're like ornery yeah <laughs> And we and we try to Let get it so they can pass out. Yeah, so we try to get a condo that has beach access, so we can just walk down yes. and walk back up. Yes. So we, the girls still haven't figured out if they like the water mm-hmm. ocean or not. Mm-hmm. So we might be down there at the water for an hour, or we'll never even hit the water. Yeah. And me and Carol will trade off going into the water mm. just to cool off every once in a while. Now, and that you made a good point because we. Uh, started and, and we're probably at the point now where we can start to move away from it but we always make sure we rent a house that has a pool mm-hmm. because when when the kids were littler um that that was something that was if, yeah if the beach was just too much we still had a pool to, mm-hmm. to and, yeah. yeah and then one day we did the pool we did the beach but the weather was real spotty so instead of taking all of our beach stuff mm-hmm. we just went to the pool <laughs> and then when it thundered we'd go back up and then come back down yeah yeah and then we'd but with little kids, it's an ordeal to take them out to dinner or like breakfast, breakfast, lunch, and dinner. So we did breakfast and lunch at the condo, and then we do try to find like a family-oriented dinner mm-hmm. spot. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, yeah. It's a good time. Yep. It's it's not as relaxed as your sound. <laughs> well, you have younger, so yeah. it wasn't as relaxing when Mallory was younger either. Um, you know, it's funny just growing up in the great state of Oklahoma, um, you know, to go to a beach was a big deal. So it was lake life in Oklahoma. Mm. Um, and it's just funny living here. It's like a no break. People are like, yeah, I'm going to the beach. And it just, I remember growing up thinking, wow, the beach, like an ocean. How That's old were amazing. you when you went to the beach for the first time? Uh, the first time that I, um, as an adult, that I'm, because I think as an infant, because I was born in, in San Francisco. Oh, yeah, yeah. That's um, right. But I never, um, uh, the first time as an, as a, that I remember, I was in college. No, I think we went to like Padre Island, and that's the deep, like the bottom, bottom tip of um, Texas. Mm-hmm. Um, I think that's where that is. It might be close to Mexico. Anyway, um, Padre Island, but um, and then in college, I'd, I'd gone to uh, uh, Merle's Inlet, South Carolina. Mm. So yeah, and that was the first time I saw the Atlantic, and I was like, oh wow. Let's go to the Gulf. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So anyway. Oh, my goodness. So we are boring people to death with beach talk. Nah. nah. They're probably driving from the beach to get into it. <laughs> That's true. So uh, mentioned my ordination yeah. this, past, this past Sunday. Um, 
You watched it online because yep, you were still I, vacationing. Yep. We were wrapping up Kara's 30th birthday. Yeah. Oh, she's getting old. Well, she probably didn't like me saying that on the podcast either. <laughs> I'm just kidding. You're not old, Kara. Um, so, you know, it's funny because um, you mentioned yesterday before I mentioned to you, but we both were on the same wavelength. I mean, what did you mention well, about oh, today's topic? Oh. I got asked so many questions about ordination that I feel like it needed a podcast yeah, because we yeah. needed to talk about the process of ordination and how it's different now than it w- would have been a year ago and uh-huh. all that good stuff. Yeah, the, the kind of the, if I had to sum up um, what I've heard from a lot of people, especially pre-ordination mm-hmm. was, hey, congratulations on that. I thought you already were. Like yeah. that was kind of the... Yeah. The, the vibe I got from a lot of people. Um, so I thought today we'd just talk about, like, what is the... And also, one of the questions is, why is this so important? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, so... Which I think that's really interesting um, because it's not something that people see all the mm-hmm. time. It, mm-hmm. Especially if they have a Methodist background. Yep. They're not often they're they're not present at a United Methodist ordination usually because it happens at annual conference. Oh. And okay. so they're not there to see it. Right. And they might okay. see a picture or two, yeah, but yeah. they're not part of the service unless they like went Go to, to it, it on purpose. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um So this and, was very special then. And yeah, and then, you know, for those that have you know, I, that's one of those things you think about is a lot of people don't actually see an ordination service. They they get a pastor at their church or they go and join a church that has a pastor and mm-hmm. th- that pastor's already been ordained or licensed or commissioned or whatever. And that's some of the things we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, um, growing up in the a Baptist background, I never was under a pastor that I saw get ordained. Mm-hmm. But a lot of younger uh, pastors would mm-hmm. come to the church that they grew up in to have their ordination service. Oh, yes. So I saw a lot of people that were, like, when I was a kid, they were in the youth group, and then they came back for the, and then yep. they came back for their ordination. They, yeah. what, whatever they had to do for ordination, uh-huh. they did somewhere else, but then they came back for the ordination service so they could do it in the church they grew up yeah. with under yeah. the pastor that they had and yeah. stuff like that. Yeah, that's interesting. So I thought we, you thought, and I thought both that we would talk about this ordination thing today. So, you know, here's some words, ordination, uh, licensing, commissioning. Um, when we talk about pastors, we say pastor or reverend or minister. And like all these titles and these descriptors are used and um, they are used sometimes interchangeably. And sometimes they're used very purposely to mean something different. And, and that, so they really can mean different things in different churches. And they can mean different things in different denominations. Yes. They can mean different things in different ministries or parachurch, you know, ministries. Um, so we'll, I want to start with commissioning first because that's not uh, – it comes up, but it's not – it didn't really play in like you for me and the stuff in the past. But, like, that's something people hear is, well, what happens when someone gets commissioned? Well, we, we've actually had – we've actually mm-hmm. said – commissioning talking about yep uh mission trips yep yep so our mission teams so that's a practical thing that we've used here our vbs people yep yeah so when you think about commissioning it's like a it's a um a prayer of blessing Uh, it's a setting apart for a specific time or a specific uh, ministry. Um, it's a, it's a recognition of a particular work. Um, but it doesn't, uh, come with the, 
the responsibilities of like spiritual leadership right. long term mm-hmm. as someone who may be licensed or ordained would have. Right. So that's 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 commissioning. Mm-hmm. Um, you might commission a mission team. You might commission a missionary. Mm-hmm. Um, you might have a, a pastor on staff um, or at a church that that carries the title pastor, but they would they would fall more into the commissioned um, area. I'd say that would kind of be how you are. You mm-hmm. know. It's, um, you know, we call you our media pastor, mm-hmm. um, and so um, that that's commissioning. Um, anything more you want to throw in on commissioning? Um, well, I'm I'm trying to think if there, what is the weight or responsibility that comes with like each each of these? Like, what what would a uh-huh. a commissioned person like? What would be their like? I guess it would be different for whatever they're doing, but what would be a in the pastor world? What would be a typical commissioned pastor do? I, um, again, like a they might be set apart just for a specific time, mm-hmm. or they might be a recognition of a particular work that doesn't have that um, necessarily the the spiritual weight of mm-hmm. of overall leadership or teaching or uh, preaching or you know. Um, carrying out some of the duties of the church like uh the sacraments gotcha um weddings okay uh, those kinds of things okay i i guess what i was expecting would be the licensed right okay so yeah so that that's commissioning and yeah and i will say that some of the ways i will describe these things weigh very heavily with my united methodist my methodist uh background Mm -hmm. so so um but i'm also trying to shine light on how how the porch community church as a non-denominational church you know is moving forward with these kinds of titles and stuff so so um and in my background Mm -hmm. like yes there there isn't a commissioned or licensed right uh, you probably would commission like missionaries or mission teams or something or do you just usually pray a blessing on them or something that they get a blessing but um, depending, our church that I grew up in, and it's the only Baptist uh, church I was a part of. I was there for uh, twenty mm-hmm. years. At, uh, if we if we sent out a missionary or if we sent out a pastor, they were to be ordained, right. and they'd have to, and even a missionary would have to uh, have the qualifications of yeah. an ordained pastor because they were probably going to start a church wherever they were. Being mm-hmm. a missionary, and who was setting those ordination qualifications? The uh, church. It was the church, but because the pastor had been there since like the seventies, mm-hmm. he had a large hand in shaping them. So yeah, even sure. though once he was gone, they still upheld the same standards. Mm-hmm. He was the one that helped shape those standards, right, so right. he was following through with his standards. Right, right. For well, and that's thirty-five I mean, years. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I think too. Remember when you were uh, like you know middle school, maybe high school too, but elementary school like you do the um uh, like vocab test where you've got like the list of the the names and then the definitions and you have mm-hmm. to connect yep, yep, yep. and i think if you gave the same test to someone who grew up methodist versus baptist versus catholic or episcopalian or whatever and you had words like commissioning and licensing and ordination and whatnot and mm-hmm. then these different definitions you know you would find that probably a lot of them especially like more on the Baptist side, probably a lot of the connections would all go to ordination. Yes, <laughs> like this is what would, it means. And then you would see, uh, that would be because, interesting. Because in the Baptist world, the definition of, or, like the requirements for ordination are so 
loose and interpreted by each church differently. Mm-hmm. Like they, I mean, I've joked about it off podcast. I don't know if I ever have on podcast, but there are some churches where you can sneeze. <laughs> Is and, anyone- <laughs> and oh, you want to get ordained? All right, let's have a service. <laughs> Did I see you raise your hand? Oh, you're just blowing your nose. That's okay. Come on up anyway. We're going to ordain you. <laughs> But then there's some that you have to either have completed seminary sure. or be in your final semesters of seminary, yeah. and you have, like, a job lined up, and then you have to go through, like, a, if if you're getting ordained bef- before you graduate seminary, it was, like, a very intense, time-consuming process that would actually detract from what you uh-huh. were able to give to your seminary. And so, and who was, who held that process? Uh, the church. The local church, mm-hmm. yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah. If, if you... So if you wanted to be ordained in our church, you had to go through our, you had to uphold the qualifications of our church. Mm -hmm. So if you, like if there was, if you hadn't finished ordination or if you hadn't finished seminary, you'd have to do like a, basically a internship every week that you weren't in school, you had to be at the church office. Yeah. Yeah. You know, and that kind of stuff. Yeah. that, That makes sense. Well, so so that the, the commissioning is that that setting apart for a certain time amount of time um, a license. We've mentioned that now several times already. A license for ministry is at its the kind of base stripped down level. It is a it, it's a legal way of allowing a person to perform weddings and funerals and this is why someone can get married by an Elvis impersonator in Las Vegas because that Elvis impersonator is licensed to um, marry and do those things there is a license that each state has Mm -hmm. um, that that they give to people that they would and you don't even have to be Christian you can just have a license but it's called a ministry license or something to that effect now that is a very loose, I mean, that is a very basic definition because licensing means a lot of different things to a lot of different, mm-hmm. and now we go into the Christian realm only mm-hmm. when we talk about licensing um, because licensing, uh, yes, it has a, a legal ramification, but in many cases it also is, um, it might be a, a half step towards ordination mm-hmm. um, or it might be a, um, a lower, like underneath ordination, someone could be licensed for ministry, um, but maybe they don't have the seminary degrees um, mm-hmm. or the um, uh, experience, or you know, or the the blessing of of the church in that regard. Yeah. Um, when you get into licensing, um, you know, licenses for ministry can be done by churches. They can be given by churches. It I didn't know becomes that. part of that. Um, uh, if you're a, a Christian organization, a mm-hmm. religious organization, you have that authority. Mm-hmm. Um, you can get it off websites. <laughs> you can get it off websites. You know, uh, Again, ministries or parachurch organizations could, could possibly do that if it's in their bylaws. To go back to your uh, point of the local church making some of these um, decisions in in the United Methodist denomination. Um, I was um, I had I was licensed. Um, I was required. Uh, it, I had you have required schooling to even get a license. Now it doesn't necessarily have to be seminary, mm-hmm. but it has to be some courses. But um, and then you have annual review where you go before a board. Um, and so that is renewed every year. So it wasn't just a license like, here you go, 
go do what you best of luck yeah. you know um which again some churches could do that they could mm-hmm. they could say we're going to license john smith and you know john go um hey i didn't say joseph so no but that's where i went okay yeah um jane smith and um but yeah so in the united methodist tradition and i'm sure in many others that do a licensing uh uh, avenue if you will lane um there is a there's a review in those kinds of things um not every denomination does that um i would say most in fact probably don't Mm-hmm. Um, now, for some churches and denominations, what they call ordination, you already just kind of touched on this, and this is my take on it, so correct me if I'm wrong or speak into this, um, what m- some churches and denominations call ordination, in my opinion, it looks much more like licensing mm-hmm. in regard to the educational and accountable requirements um, before and after or what they call ordination mm-hmm. that that's what it seems to look like from yeah. from my experience um, because there isn't much requirement for education and I don't see a lot of requirement for accountability or or review mm. um, afterwards so yeah. that's just kind of my my take on it uh, I it, it it would depend church to church because again like there are some churches that have no spiritual, like, education component. Like, mm-hmm. you don't have to go through an accountability or, like, a, like. And, but then there's some churches where you have to walk with a pastor for a year. Right. And, like, you have to go through, like, mm-hmm. how to. Like mentorship. Mentorship. And, yep. and you're deci- they disciple you and stuff like that. And then each church. Which has is the way it should. Correct. There, there needs to be mm-hmm. accountability, without a doubt. Mm-hmm. But per review. Mm-hmm. After ordination, I don't know what that looks like because yeah. I've never actually had a conversation with someone that has been. Uh, hey, so how do you keep how does your that... ordination? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. So I don't, I don't know that aspect. Yeah, of it. sure. Um, yeah, I think you touched on this, but one of the things I was thinking of it with with a lot of your independent churches, and so much of this is nuanced because mm-hmm. even as we talk about an independent church, someone might say, "Well, hold on, I thought they were SBC. I thought they were Southern Baptist." It's like, yeah, well, that's. It, it, their structure is each individual church has its own governance structure, mm-hmm. and then they choose to be part of the yep. SBC. And so the SBC doesn't It's have... like a Sam's Club. <laughs> you pay your dues, you get some benefits. Okay, you have the card. You, yeah. You go throw in there, show your receipt on the way out. Exactly. Um, <laughs> most, of your, most of your independent churches um, will, like you said, sneeze, but I would hope they'd be a little more involved. I'm, I, I'm sure it is. But they, they vote on a candidate, and, and they, they call this a, an ordination, and they present them with some form of credentials, whether it's a, you know, a, a diploma-type deal or whatever. And, and after this, you know, once that's happened, because of the, the way uh, church law is set up, I mean, like, you know, they're able to legally officiate weddings or funerals and 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 pastor churches and and those things. Um, and often, once a, a church votes to to the, the process is pretty much complete. There is no that annual review we talked about or seminary mm-hmm. necessarily is required. But I do know a lot of churches more and more and more, regardless of uh, whether they call it licensing or ordination or whatever, they're like, no, we want a seminary graduate. Yes. And and in some cases they're like, we want a seminary graduate from, certain, from one of these seminaries. seminaries. Yeah. Yes. So um, I 
I don't know if the church I grew up in, A, had a seminary requirement or because, you know, you talk to, when you when you decide you're going to go to seminary, you kind of want to talk to the pastor just to make sure yeah, that like, that's the be right like, Don't do that. Yeah. yeah. They, they usually ended up at Liberty, which is where mm-hmm. our, our pastor and associate pastor uh, did a lot of their seminary work, mm-hmm. or Southeastern. Yep. That's just because uh-huh. they all had histories there that's mm-hmm. kind of where everybody landed yep, yep and i don't but i don't know if it was a requirement yeah yeah to go there well and in some ways i wonder if it's not kind of how um you know my parents generation a lot of them didn't finish their undergraduate degree but they still got jobs and were able to be promoted and moved up into high echelon stuff whereas the time went on it was like oh you got to have a degree to even get in the door or to get oh, an yeah. interview yeah um where now it's like you know we talk to a lot of people we know that are like in some fields it's like if you don't have a master's they're not even going to talk to you oh, or yeah. a specialized ministry or a specialized degree and and i think in some ways that that might be how it's kind of happened within the church universal in the same way well it kind of makes sense because i mean at least starting with my generation Mm -hmm. we are beating the head that we're going to be poor if we don't go to college (sighs) and then it's like you go to college and you're poor because you have student loans yeah (laughs) so i mean it makes sense that it that it's Uh, gone to that yeah but but i will say you you, at least in this area Mm -hmm. and not necessarily with i mean not with the methodist denomination but like Church of Gods and other mm-hmm. um, very Southern denominations. Yeah, you see a lot of like non-educated, non-seminary educated <sighs> pastors. Yeah. yeah, yeah, which isn't a bad thing. No, per se. No, I mean if the calling's on their life. Yeah, that, and that's not what I'm getting at. But well, actually, that is what I'm getting at. If the call is on their life, they're they're there to do the call, regardless mm-hmm. of the education or not. Mm-hmm. But it seems like more in the more established, like bigger denominations. Mm-hmm. Yeah that they really want to push very educated people to towards mm-hmm. ordination mm-hmm. because it, it kind of gives them uh, self-sustaining yep. leadership yep. as yep. opposed to because if you get ordained and then you're a pastor for three years and then you decide, well, this wasn't for me, you didn't have 10 years of schooling to kind of keep <laughs> you in the fold. Yeah, for sure. Um, and I think that's a good, a good point because, you know, you look at other – other examples, like you look at the United Methodist Church or uh, the Episcopal Church or Presbyterian or Catholic or Lutheran, and they all have this kind of uh, uh, shared thread of more liturgical uh, mm-hmm. kind of mindset. And these are just the examples that I wrote down. But um, but they all require you know seminary education um, in their seminaries. You mm-hmm. know, um, they all require a period of of continued mentoring even post. Um, ordination, even if they're in a process, yeah, um, they require an annual review. There's there's levels of voting as far as like a board that you go before or a review team that you have to go before, and there's there's the presentation of of being able to express um, in writing, um, you know, your understanding of doctrinal mm-hmm. things. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, so I'll just I'll give you all a personal example because the, the questions that have come up have been like, well, we see that Shannon's being ordained. Wasn't she already? What does it mean? All this. So here's my personal example. So, so this past Sunday, I had I had uh, um, I was ordained this past Sunday, and one of the questions I heard from a lot of people, like I said, was, um, 
I thought you already were, or why are you being ordained again? It, it was kind of like the, oh, our disaffiliation was approved. I thought it already was. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, so here's the thing. I wasn't ordained for a second time. Um, I actually had never been ordained before. Now, again, some people, especially those that maybe I performed or officiated your wedding, you might be going, oh, uh, are we really? Uh, uh, yes, you're married because I was licensed. Um, so in the UM, the United Methodist, you know, train of, <laughs> of how that things, things were done, I was licensed for ministry in 2006. Now, again, depending on your background and understanding in the church, like, in many respects, that would have been considered, air quotes, ordination in some other type mm-hmm. churches. Mm-hmm. So I was licensed in 2006, and then I started a seminary, and I took the long route. I was on the 10-year plan. I went as long as I, t- I, t- I spread it out as far as I could without losing those credits. Because mm-hmm. so you didn't want to go into debt. I did not want to go into debt, and I did not, praise the Lord. Um, so I worked towards my seminary degree all the while carrying a license for ministry and having, um, an annual review during that licensing every year, I go before a board and have to produce, you know, continuing ed stuff and things like that. Um, and I, and I finished seminary and then, so, um, just, a am I was, while we were in the UM church, I was two years into a three year process of being, of finally having an ordination. Yeah. Yeah. Um, And so when we chose to leave the United Methodist denomination uh, several months ago, then, or we started to make that choice, I knew that that was coming to an end, um, Mm -hmm. that licensing. So, so I've been a licensed pastor for 16 years and in the United Methodist church, I've been a provisional elder uh, of ordination. Which, which was that? um, That's that. Well, because a couple people said, y'all posted a picture that looks eerily similar to her getting ordained a couple years ago. Yes. Which was your provisional. That's when ordin- I was provisional. Yep. That's what yep. they call that. That's, yep. yeah. So, so like that, that was like, people were looking, going, <laughs> I've seen this picture before. <laughs> mm-hmm. It was at a different place, but I've yep. seen this before. Yep. Yep. And so when we ended our connection with the United Methodist Church on on June 31st, the license that I held with them since 2006... Um, became at, null and void, basically. Uh, along with my provisional elder status, the, it just, it ended, right, mm-hmm. right, it was done. So, so therefore, to, to recognize the calling of God um, on, on my life, um, you know, to, to lead the church... Uh, the, the leadership of the Porch Community Church, the ministry board, mm-hmm. uh, unanimously voted to uh, to bestow upon me ordination, mm-hmm. and and they did so, and, and so that's what we did this past Sunday. And now, the ministry board has the right to do that. Yes, in our bylaws we have that set up, and we have a very it's pretty extensive process com- compared to yeah, some I don't other understand half non-denominational of churches. We'll I'll walk you through it. Um, now some have asked. And, and I totally understand why. Some of may have asked you as well, is like under whose authority yes. um, is is this ordination well, happening? Because it's a very rare case that, that you see it. That the church is ordaining the lead pastor. Right. And they're going well because usually the past the lead pastor is the one that is overseeing the ordination of the individual. Right. So how does that work for a church to ordain mm-hmm. its mm-hmm. own lead pastor? Right. Um, I totally get that question. Um, 
we all probably have stories uh, or know of situations where someone may have been ordained in their church by their church leadership and they had no accountability or experience. And there's some stories to tell based on that. Yep. Um, but the answer to under whose authority, and I know this, this might sound like a cop-out answer, but it is true. It's the same as any other person you know of that is ordained. Um, the ultimate authority is Christ's. Mm-hmm. Yep. And so the church capital C is is under that mm-hmm. we we are uh, we are the bride he is the bridegroom and so we're under that authority and it's within each context of churches mm-hmm. individual churches whether non-denominational or denominational yep the decision of who and how and when a person is ordained it's up to the governance structure of those believers mm-hmm of that understanding local body. that Christ is the authority mm-hmm. under which all this happens. Some have a um, a uh, what they would call an episcopal uh, uh, like family tree where they would want to trace it back to Peter, you know, or uh, you know Francis Asbury or someone, <laughs> you know, that was the bishop, and then that connects all the way through. Um, but you don't see that in Scripture where there is a requirement for it to, to connect to a certain person or a certain entity other than under the authority of Jesus mm-hmm. Christ. And so when someone says whose authority, you would say, well, under the uh, governance, under the authority of Jesus Christ um, given to the church mm-hmm. and, and the, the structure that we have in place, which it's, is what every non-denominational church has in place. Mm-hmm. It, it's funny, like, because... The question is authority, but if you think about it, it's more about submitting. It's submitting to recognizing the call that God has put on this person's life mm. and honoring yeah. the call. That's, that's yeah. You mean as the, the as governing the governor, structure? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Because yeah. then, because if you don't, you're held accountable yeah. as the governance. Mm-hmm. You know, like that would that would suck well right and i th- i think that's a really good point so that you uh we have some of the wording from from the the service on sunday i was going to have you read so this is what uh, under whose authority well um an ordained person should meet some form of criteria there's no doubt about it scriptural like criteria um so this is why at my ordination uh one of our board members sheila roberts she read the following. It's a little bit uh, paraphrased. We cut out some of the extra mm-hmm. flowery words. Whereas Reverend Shannon Patterson is the founding and lead pastor of the Porch Community Church, a graduate of Asbury Theological Seminary with a Master's of Divinity degree, Master of Divinity degree, and has completed the high standard of review within the Wesleyan tradition. Therefore, in consideration of the education, experience, and call to ministry in her life, it is the it is joyfully agreed by the ministry board and ministry partners of the Porch Communion Church that Reverend Patterson shall be ordained an elder in the church. And here comes the important part. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, the great head of the church, Shannon is now duly constituted and set apart to be to the sacred ministry of the gospel and the church of Jesus Christ. And for this congregation, she is charged in the name of the Lord Jesus to be faithfully to be faithful and true in her ministry so that her whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Amen. That is a tough charge on you. <laughs> you know, like a lot of people would say, oh, that's sweet. And like, no, that is that is a big expectation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like, yep. that is some weight. Which, you know, it's... It, 
again, you go back to the, what's your definition of licensed or ordained or whatever. I mean, I have felt the, the, um, the, the weight of that spiritual responsibility mm-hmm. prior to ordination. Oh, of course, yeah. But then to hear the words and to read the words and see the words, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, this is real. It's kind of like, um, I don't know if this is a good example, but like, um, you know, to hear the wedding vows, even though you know I'm committed to this person, you know, as I stood across from Drew, um, and and I knew that I believed and felt the things that, that uh, Pastor Tommy was saying as he married Drew and I, but it's like to hear them, it's just like, oh, yeah. yeah. I've, I've heard you do a couple weddings, maybe? Mm-hmm. And you read verses, and instead of saying you, you yes. put in the person's name. I and totally then... stole, that, stole that from Bob Moon. Did you? Oh, yeah. Okay. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, he does it too, so that yeah, makes sense. Yeah. But like the charge that that, mm-hmm. that is given is that the love way. is patient, yeah. love is kind, and you put in your name. Yeah. Josh is patient, patient. Josh is kind. And it was the first time I ever, and one time I heard you do it. It was the first time I ever actually heard a laugh. <laughs> oh my goodness gracious! But, you know, sometimes it's true. You know, the weight of that charge is mm-hmm. like is probably one of the heaviest things you can be given I don't, at, I don't know everything yeah. as a uh, finite person on this planet yeah you know and and when you think about it though like I'm you and I have the ability to look at the look at it in the writing right now but like when you think about it to be charged in the name of the Lord Jesus to be faithful and true in your ministry so that your whole life will bear witness to the crucified and risen Christ. Isn't that the charge of every believer? It is. But you're held to a different standard. <laughs> well, yeah, and I'm not, I'm and not I'm trying not ta- to lower I, that charge I, on me, but I'm, I'm trying to raise it up for all of us. You and know? I'm not even talking about the un... Um, that's the air conditioner. Oh, okay. <laughs> but I'm not even talking about like... No, that might be rain. It's rain. It's rain on the yeah. So, but I'm not... Rested! Even, but I'm not even... <laughs> Even talking about like the unfair standard that human beings will place on you uh-huh. as a lead pastor. Oh yeah, just the, the just the spiritual weight of the, it all. Well, the 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 new spiritual like standard that sets you apart. Mm-hmm. You know. Yeah, yeah. And I I've also wondered this. I'm like, you know, there's no rule that says you have to have an ordained pastor in in your church like as in like in the bible aspect of it right so Um, i wonder if mm -hmm. there is a like spiritual like when we get to the great white throne judgment i wonder if there will be a delineation between like an ordained pastor or someone that was a pastor because there's a different charge on their life i don't know i don't think so so, i don't think so either it's it's one of the it's one of those things where because this is so important Mm -hmm. that i want does it carry over? Like, does it have spiritual carryover? I, I, I mean, I think the the spiritual carryover responsibility. Yes, mm-hmm. uh, I think that's what you're saying. Yeah, like it's not like I'm gonna get like extra, like an extra room on my mansion in heaven. Or no, something. I would say the exact opposite. <laughs> it's, it's like, like uh, you just get a one room shack you because you did you not. You should have done more. <laughs> yeah. So in the in the actual ordination service on Sunday. One of the things you saw are, are some things that you see throughout Scripture. Um, 
Yeah, first of all, Scripture itself was was lifted up in regard to Ephesians four when it talks mm-hmm, about the mm-hmm. that some have been called um, to be these you know apostles and teachers and prophets and and uh, and and that their charge is to equip the saints to equip the church to do the work of ministry, um, which is, is just always really really important to me to, mm-hmm, to emphasize yeah. that. But then you also saw anointing oil. Uh, used, which you you see throughout Scripture, um, how that is a setting apart of someone. Um, the laying on of hands, again, something that you see throughout Scripture of of people being uh, set apart or called um, for a special task or yep. a role. And then you heard um, the affirmation of the people, mm-hmm. um, as as Pastor Randy, you know, said, "Do you support what you know, yes. basically what you read?" Mm-hmm. Um, and all these things are integral to, to the ordination uh, moment. I, I didn't want to say service, but I guess that's right. The process, or or just all that it entails. It's. I don't know if we've made anything clearer for our people <laughs> as I don't we know. talk today, but but that's what that's how we view ordination, and we most definitely wanted to honor and make sure that we were uh, scriptural in the process and. Um, that there were, uh, you know, an understanding of, um, you know, recognition of call in my life and and experience I've had and schooling and mm-hmm. and continuing forth and and under the authority of the 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 ministry board of elders of mm-hmm. our church to 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 make that decision. So that's what it means when we say when we talk about you know pastor reverend minister what what is this ordination thing like what mm-hmm. are we talking about here which we we really didn't go a lot into what the difference between pastor and reverend and minister and honestly i don't know i don't I think know. it's just a it's whatever you like to be called. i think it's like a yeah it's like how do you choose to be referred to you know like yeah the pastors i grew up with were always brothers brother so-and-so yeah can i start calling you brother josh no if you'll call me Sister Shannon, I'll call you Brother Josh. Then you, I ain't got to be worried about being called Brother. <laughs> so, um, anything else you want to throw in here? Is, well, let me ask you this. Is there a reason? Because I think we talked about why it was important to you mm. to complete ordination. Yeah. Why is it important to the, why is it important to the church? That's a good, that's a really good question. Um, I think for the church, are you talking about specifically the porch? Um, yes, yeah, since, okay. since... I'll talk specifically yeah. for the porch. I think it's important for the porch um, in in order, in, in their um, witness to the community and how we uh, are present in our community to to be able to, to say that we, we are following um, an apostolic, you know, as far as like, this is what we understand is required of someone to lead the church and have spiritual leadership for the church this is what we've seen from scripture and this is how we are applying it here in this local context Mm, um so i I think that's important but at the same time you know you you look at who jesus called to be his disciples and you look at people and that you go well they didn't have a lot of these you know they didn't have seminary degrees i mean one of the jokes that we used to say all the time in the um church with my seminary friends was jesus wouldn't get, wouldn't pass the board um for some of the no, he some of the things that were required like they wouldn't have passed jesus they would have deferred him to it for another year for some stuff but that's also why we thought that system was archaic well yeah yeah so um you know i, I think i think when it all comes down to it it's 
um, what do we understand about um, the role of the church, which is much more important about than than the the ordination of the pastor. Mm. But um, you do. I as a if just as a as a church goer, I would want to uh, be a part of a church um, and to uh, receive teaching. I don't like the term "sit under the teaching." I don't know why. I just don't. But to receive teaching and and pastoral leadership from someone who I know has uh, is has accountability in their mm-hmm. life and that has um, uh, education and understanding and continual. Uh, uh, learning of of what they're teaching, mm. so I think that's why it's important to the porch and any any local congregation. So, mm. and whether that comes from a denominational source or from the local leadership, either way, I, I think that's important. Yeah. Did I answer your question? Yeah, hundred okay. <laughs> percent. Yeah. So. So yeah, that's that's a uh, that's what we got for today's episode. So mm-hmm. yeah. there's a lot of interesting stuff because ordination is one of those processes that's. A, rarely seen, mm-hmm. and even more rarely understood. Yeah. Yep. Yep. Very true. So. Well, I am absolutely honored um, to to be, uh, to receive this ordination from our leadership and from the congregation. And and my goal is to, my desire is to, to live into this, mm-hmm. this charge. And it is my honor to sit under your teaching. <laughs> Hey, Porch Community, thanks for uh, listening and being a part of this. And we look forward to seeing you very soon and tuning in again. And so. if you're not helping out with Jesus' Life Weekend. Yeah? Oh, yeah. Contact Justin. What's Let's get this, you plugged in. What's this Jesus' Life Weekend you're speaking of? See, people are going, oh, dang it, I thought they were about to let us go. We got like two more minutes. Uh, tell us about Jesus' Life real quick. It's it's a fantastic weekend where it's um, we do a lot of... We bring in a guest speaker, and, and he preaches the gospel really intensely mm-hmm. for Friday and Saturday night. And then and then we also do a lot of worship and a lot of fun games. But then there's also these, which I think is the best part, is these small groups. Yes, yes, for sure. Where the students can ask questions, they can dig deeper into stuff. Mm-hmm. And in my opinion, that is where decisions are made. Yeah, it's kind of like the journey weekend we did with our fifth mm-hmm. and sixth mm-hmm. and graders yeah it's it's that it's in those con- in that context in many ways it's like a shortened version of like our community groups yes that they're right there and, and they it, can it's be it's real and and it's it, it's a lot of information quickly so it's mm-hmm. pretty intense mm-hmm. but then we also have like stuff like color war and stuff like that to, yeah. r- to to break it up but it really is a student's opportunity to really get a get a grasp of what this whole Jesus thing is about mm-hmm. in three days. Yep. And, and it is what it means. It, Jesus is mm-hmm. life. That's if someone says, well, what are y'all talking about this year? <laughs> Jesus is life. Yeah. <laughs> and it, re- you really can. And because students don't really get a lot of small mm-hmm. time settings. Mm-hmm. Uh, Justin is fantastic about providing small groups throughout the year. Yeah. But, a lot of a lot of kids that are coming from other churches yep. don't get that. So or no churches. Yeah. So <laughs> it it really is great for them to ha- to see the big experience, but then also get mm-hmm. to interact in the small experience. Yep. And church, we can't do it without you. That's for sure. Like this this undertaking is massive. Yeah. Yep. And we need everybody. We need people to help clean up trash. To <laughs> to hope 
to leading groups to letting eighth grade girls stay at their house. <laughs> you know, and, and there isn't one uh, talent that can't be used for Jesus' Life Weekend. Mm. If you're available, we can use you in some capacity. Yep, get in touch with Justin get in, for sure. Get in touch with Justin and figure out a way you can help change, help be a part of something that changes students' lives. Amen. Amen to that. Amen. It's coming. It's coming. Two, two 17 weeks. 17 days away from no, recording. From recording, as it say, uh, I 15 days from... I can't from, do that math that fast. Yeah, 15 days from, from actuality. Hey, uh, Porch Community, again, uh, thanks for being the great community that you are, and uh, we will see you soon. Thanks, see you Josh. Bye. See you. Bye. You've been listening to the 167 Podcast. Join us next time more insights to inspire, challenge, and encourage to help you live into the remaining 167 hours of your week.